0: Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not so classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Craig Kelberg. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. I have never seen Top Gun. <laughs> I like it. I do appreciate um, something I've noticed that this podcast doesn't have enough of is total non sequiturs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like that. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You've seen you've seen clips of Top Gun, right? Uh,
1: I've. Yeah, I think so.
0: D- do you know who's in Top Gun?
1: <laughs> it's uh, Tom Cruise and maybe Val Kilmer.
0: That is correct. Yes. All right. Great. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to time you for 30 seconds and you're going to give me a synopsis of what you think Top Gun is about. <laughs> Ready? Go.
1: Airplane fighters. <laughs> Literally, I think the only clip I have seen from it that I know is at some point Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer are walking down the deck of an air, of a, uh, aircraft carrier, aircraft carrier. Thank you. And they, they knock helmets together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. That is literally the only thing. Also,
0: a while ago there was... Uh, That's your 30 seconds. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is an okay movie. It's, it's a very well-known movie. It is.
1: It's, but it's one of those that just kind of slipped through the cracks. Uh,
0: it, it didn't, though, is for, the for thing. Me, it, for me. Oh, it slipped through your cracks. <laughs> just just one just just when it slips through your crack yeah. oh my you should get that looked at all right. um maybe try to like seal it shut <laughs> that sounds unhealthy all right well just take a closer look at everything going through your crack i will not <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're off to a blazing start so hey listener welcome to campfire classics not a top gun podcast sometimes a poop podcast Um, but typically a literature podcast, uh, you may have noticed that this week we've got a, uh, familiar, but not regular voice on the podcast. Please welcome Brat Brack. Please welcome back my brother, Craig.
1: Hello everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, (laughs) no, that's
0: good. I want to hear you keep riffing on that. What
1: everyone I'm happy to be here.
0: That's what I was trying to say. No, I like thank you thank you for thank, thank you for listening. Listening. Dear listener, if you're listening, and you obviously are, um, thank you. It it came very close to coming out. Thank you for be here. <laughs> thank you for the bees. How you doing?
1: I am exhausted. Yeah. 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 That's well, just that, you know.
0: Your 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 baby's gotten bigger. Yeah. Uh, which does not necessarily mean you're sleeping more.
1: It does not. I think I am actually sleeping more, but I think I went so long without any sleep that it's, you know, there's some catch up time.
0: Yeah. Uh, for, for, for playing in ketchup. For playing in ketchup? Yeah. Does, that's good. Does she like playing in ketchup? I don't know. We don't have ketchup. Oh. Do you have <laughs> any condiments? She likes playing in
1: uh, her food, which is often the consistency of ketchup. Oh. Good.
0: So I'm sure she would like playing in She'd ketchup. She'd probably like playing in ketchup. Yeah. I feel like the smell would be strange. Ketchup has a weird smell once you let it like, dry out a little bit. I have never noticed that. Really? Oh, you never... Wait, no, you worked in restaurants. I worked in restaurants. What's your excuse then? Ketchup gets spilled on tables all the time and dries out and starts to when smell. I, like... when,
1: I, when I worked in restaurants, I was a heavy smoker. Oh. And smoking kills your sense of smell.
0: Great. So to you, dried ketchup just smells like cigarettes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That seems reasonable Just like everything else. Just like everything else. (laughs) You ever notice how food smells like cigarettes? (laughs) It's weird because wine tastes like cigarettes and beer tastes kind of like drunk cigarettes.
1: You know, I, I actually do so closely associate coffee with cigarettes that there have been times where I've woken up to the smell of coffee and been convinced that someone was smoking in my house.
0: Huh. That... Uh, is interesting mm-hmm. to me similar but more depressing note um <laughs> <laughs> i uh hey listeners this is going to get kind of weird for a minute um so i didn't realize that the smell of um beer was a smell that i associated with dad until much later in life sure um and so that smell like particularly of beer that maybe sat out for a little too long, so strongly I associated with that that when I started working at the Jekyll and Hyde Club and there was always beer spilled on the steps or spilled behind the bar, whatever, whatever, I couldn't figure out why every time I went to work I was thinking of Dad.
1: So so at at that time you, like
0: that was you that was there was there
1: was the there was a subconscious connection for a while before that was that was
0: when i started realizing that's what the connection was was oh 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 now i'm sad (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um so that's a chipper little thing to bust into yeah uh hey listeners this is a comedy podcast Oh, <laughs> uh, so this is a addiction. Wee. Wh- uh, so this is a yeah addiction. We've we've covered caffeine, nicotine, and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else Do you wanna? I'll I'll stay away from uh, the um anything illegal. Stay away from anything illegal. All right. On on you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> on the airwaves. I have this irritating addiction to water. Oh yeah. You know, I feel like if I go a whole day without drinking it, my head starts pounding. It really, it's, it's I mean, you
1: just got to go cold Turkey. You think? Yeah. Push through it. Cool. I think after three days you'll be good.
0: (laughs) Have you found anything um, replaces it? Well, um, cigarettes, (laughs) cigarettes, (laughs) cigarettes, coffee, beer. (laughs) Anytime you're thirsty, just have a beer. Yeah. Uh, comedy literature podcast is what I keep trying to get us back to. (laughs) Um, Here at Campfire Classics, we read short stories that we um, pull for you out of the public domain. We cold read them sight unseen, which means uh, what you're hearing is our first attempt to read this damn story. Uh, So you're going to you're going to catch a lot of. Strange character choices and improvised dialects. And, um, and frankly, along the way, we tend to laugh at things that weren't penis jokes 100 years ago when the story was written, but they are now. Or maybe they were. Or maybe they were. <laughs> Some, I do, that's good point. Sometimes I gloss over the fact that authors were just as filthy back then. Uh-huh. Shakespeare is basically one running penis joke. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mozart wrote a song called Lick My Asshole. He did. Uh, he wrote a piece. He wrote a piece. Mozart didn't write songs. He wrote pieces or compositions. Sure.
0: This is you're, just- you're the kind of guy who distinguishes distincts who who makes the distinction between films and movies, aren't you?
1: Meh. <laughs> I'm also, frankly, not really the guy who makes the distinction between songs and pieces. But uh, you know, to my many fans listening out there who might. Uh, Get up in arms by hearing me say that Mozart
0: wrote songs.
1: songs. You know what? Screw it. Mozart, singer-songwriter. Mo- Mozart <laughs> was wrote- Mozart a singer? Uh, I'm I'm sure he sang at some point. All right.
0: <laughs> and he was he was he was really the the Jack Johnson of his day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, everyone loved him. Except for the ones who thought he was kind of an arrogant douche. I take it back. He was the John Mayer of his day. Ooh, yeah, that's great. Better, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mozart and John Mayer, basically the same guy. Pretty much. Who do you think would be more offended by that comparison?
1: I think um, my, my music professor from college <laughs> would be... <laughs> I think every music professor from, like, from you know, every college, from every college <laughs> would be the most offended by that statement.
0: Oh, so welcome to Campfire Classics, where we attempt to offend music academia.
1: Woo!
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So this week, I have selected a story that Craig is going to attempt to read, sight unseen. Uh, But first, I'm going to give a little bit of um, background information, some fun facts about the author. This week's author is known for his horror, mystery, and supernatural short stories. He is best remembered for his work in Weird Tales magazine, his close friendship with H.P. Lovecraft, and for being a dead ringer for Freddy (laughs) Krueger, Clifford Martin, better known as C.M. Eddie Jr. Seriously, though, look at this picture, the picture of this guy. Yeah, I can see that. Right? mm mm-hmm. uh, Listeners, I'll post it on Instagram. It'll be part of this week's little preview image or whatever. But, like, seriously, he looks like Freddy Krueger is trying to play Mr. Rogers. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: anyway, he was born in Rhode Island in 1896, and by all accounts, he had a fairly ordinary upbringing. He went to classical high school in Providence. Uh, it was an all-boys school at the time, but... What does classical high school mean? It's it's not a classical high school. It was the name, like Jefferson High School, Thomas High School, classical high school. Got it, got it. Yeah. uh, As a child, he loved to read and write. As an adult, he became more interested in mythology and the occult. According to his wife, Muriel, quote... Cliff was always interested in the idea of parallel planes, where life on another level, either astral or otherwise, would be similar to that on Earth, or where life might exist but in another time or another form. He was also fascinated by the themes of teleportation, vampirism, ghosts, and the mystery of unexplained phenomena. He spent hours in the library researching the unusual, the unique, the bizarre. He got to start writing stories for pulp magazines. His first published story was a detective story called "Sign of the Dragon," uh, and it was recently republished as its own ebook.
1: Do you think he played Dungeons and Dragons? Do you think he would have played Dungeons and Dragons? I think did Dungeons he, and Dragons
0: existed when he was alive. I think he would have. When when did Dungeons and Dragons come out? Uh, early seventies. Then then no, he didn't because he died in nineteen sixty seven. Okay. But, yes, I'm certain he would have. Him and H.P. Lovecraft and, and uh, Ron... What was his name? Uh, Howard? Ron E. Howard? Ronald E. Howard? Not Ron, Ron Howard. Howard. <laughs> Who am I thinking I of? Would, I the would, Conan guy. Um, oh, no idea. Okay. But, yes, I think all of these Pulp Magazine guys definitely would have played Dungeons & Dragons. I would
1: love to love to see that game. Uh, Run by Ron Howard
0: <laughs> Dear listener <laughs> The danger of recording this podcast in the morning Is that I have to record with coffee If it's in the morning um, And Sometimes my co-hosts say funny things And try to kill me <clears throat> <clears throat> Two separate things <laughs> Two separate things <laughs> Two se- Completely separate issues <laughs> They say funny things, that's one problem, and they try to kill me, which means I should really be re-examining who I invite to co-host yes, this probably. podcast. It happens way too often for my comfort. Uh, so, Eddie, uh, CM, uh, had been aware of H.P. Lovecraft for a while, but according to his wife, who by the way, was also, is also a published author, uh, best known for her biographical work on her husband and H.P. Lovecraft... Uh, so, according to her, they were introduced to each other by their mothers in 1923. Their mothers knew each other because they were both working in the the women's suffrage movement. Huh. That's awesome. It's kind of awesome, but it's also kind of silly to think of, like, H.P. Lovecraft at 27 or 28 getting set up on a play date by his mom. Right. <laughs> Uh, So, these two guys worked together on a bunch of projects. They often edited each other's writings. Um, They both found a wide audience and lots of success in mystery and supernatural horror. In November of 1923, Eddie and Lovecraft went out to find a place called the Dark Swamp, which Lovecraft had heard rumors about. It was supposed to be in Connecticut somewhere. Okay. Okay they never found it but the legends surrounding the place inspired stories from both of these guys
1: that's awesome i love how like how into how, like it wasn't just the fantasy thing in their minds for them like they like i love how much these guys like lived their creepy
0: these dudes went all things. in yeah <laughs> well it's actually very reminiscent of um uh, a lot of the a lot of the authors from like 50 years earlier, from the mid 1800s that we've read uh, over in England were part of like supernatural right. investigation guilds. Yeah. Um, so I, I love how often that seems to be true, that authors who. Authors are living the shit that they're writing about. Right. Uh, so Eddie also worked as a proofreader for a publishing company. And for 25 years, he worked as a theatrical booking agent, promoting shows that featured uh, a bunch of famous vaudevillians and performers of the early 20th century. It's a living. It's a living. Uh, he died in 1967, just before Dungeons and Dragons came out, uh, okay. at 71 years old, and he was survived by his wife and their three children. I
1: bet his kids play Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> I, I, yeah, probably. Um, so today, Craig, you will be reading a story from the April 1924 edition of Weird Tales called The Ghost Eater. Ooh. Let's start this fire
1: <laughs> The Ghost Eater by C.M. Eddy Jr. Edited. Edited. edit ed- 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 ed-
0: <laughs> this is going really well. Do you want to do some vocal warm-ups before we start? Oh, I was thinking articulator shit, but... No, no, no. Articulation is overrated. Articulation is what you're struggling with.
1: I've the heard, lips,
0: the teeth, the tip of the tongue. I've the lips, the ways. teeth, the tip of the tongue. No, you haven't. <laughs> 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 oh, my. This
1: is going to... Be really great. The tongue, the teeth, the tip <laughs> of the lips. What? The Ghost Eater by C.M. Eddy Jr., edited by H.P. Lovecraft. Moon madness? A touch of fever? I wish I could think so. But when I am alone after dark in the waste places where my wanderings take me, and hear across infinite voids the demon echoes of those screams and snarls and that detestable crunching of bones i shudder again at the memory of that eldritch night.
0: that sounds really personal
1: <laughs> that sounds very hp lovecraft sounds very hp <laughs> lovecraft yeah
0: he used the word eldritch
1: <laughs> i knew less of woodcraft in those days though the wilderness called just as strongly to me as it does now
0: Woodcraft as in getting along in the woods, not woodcraft as in carving things. I was I going, think this so, is a yeah. weird non sequitur. <laughs> <laughs> Although, may, maybe maybe he knew less about building chairs as well. I mean, I suppose I, know, I knew less about building chairs five years ago than I do now. Mm-hmm. Most people learn more about building chairs as they go along, whether they mean to or not.
1: Yeah, I've seen uh, Parks and Rec since then. Yeah. <laughs> Up to that night, I had always been careful to employ a guide, but circumstances now suddenly forced me to a trial of my own skill. It was midsummer in Maine, and despite my great need to get from Mayfair to Glendale by the next noon, I could find no person willing to pilot me.
0: <laughs> well, it's because that Mayfair to Glendale route is so dangerous.
1: Yeah. And he's not a very uh, seaworthy craft.
0: No, not very spacious, not a lot of room. Yeah. Uh
1: roadworthy, probably not seaworthy. I don't think there's a lot of travel by sea between, I mean.
0: It might be, it might be a shoreline. It could yeah, be, I guess. it could be coastal town to coastal town. And he's just not inflatable enough. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Something about full of hot air. It could be, uh, he could be a balloon. Hot air balloon needs
1: a pilot. Yeah. This is this is a story from the first person perspective of an of a hot air balloon.
0: Ah, written written POV of the Hindenburg. (laughs) (laughs) I want to read that story. (laughs)
1: Okay. I could find no person willing to pilot me. Unless I took the long route through. Potowasit, another Uh, town, another town, which would not bring me to my goal in time. There would be dense forests to penetrate. Yet, whenever I asked for a guide, I was met with refusal and evasion. It's not a very good way to make money. Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing it's. Do you think maybe it's not a very safe route?
0: I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's something um, maybe supernatural and a little spooky yeah. going M- maybe on. Maybe a on that ghost. Route. Maybe a ghost. Or something that eats ghosts. Or something that eats ghosts, yeah. more likely. More likely. <laughs> All right. Um, probably something that comes out at night. He said something about moon madness yeah. in the first. Yep. The,
1: literally the first thing that he said yeah. <laughs> was yeah. moon madness. All right. Stranger that I was, it seemed odd that everyone should have glib excuses. There was too much important business. That's in quotation marks.
0: I'm sorry, I have to wash my hair. On hand, for such
1: a sleepy village. (laughs) And I knew that the natives were lying, but they all had imperative duties, or (laughs) said that they had.
0: (laughs) Imperative duty.
1: And would do no more than assume me that the trail through the woods was very plain, running due north, and not in the least difficult or vigorous young- for a young fellow. Not the least difficult for a vigorous young fellow.
0: There we go. Mother said straight ahead not to delay or be misled. I shouldn't heed that advice. <laughs> I don't know. Her advice was stick to the path. Mm. stick to the path and never stray none of them want us to like go on the path at all no but they're saying just just go straight north just straight north just fucking straight north don't turn
1: it's like uh on on like the gps when it's talking to you and it says uh in 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 half a mile stay straight i'm just
0: like why i didn't need that (laughs) But you you don't know. Maybe maybe if you hadn't gotten that information, the highway sirens would have led you into the rocks. It's possible. With their sweet, sweet it's song. possible.
1: Uh let me find I lost it. Very For a vigorous young fellow. If I started while the morning was still early, they avered avered. I'm guessing uh like
0: ...confirmed or told me. Spell it for me. A-V-E-R-R-E-D. Averred. To allege as a fact in support of a plea. Averred. If I started while the morning was still
1: early, they averred, I could get to Glendale by sundown and avoid a night in the open. Mm, That sounds important. Even then, I suspected nothing. The prospect seemed good, and I resolved to try it alone... Let the lazy villagers hang back as they might. (laughs) Probably I would have tried it even if I had suspected. For youth is stubborn, and from childhood, (laughs) I had only laughed at superstition and old wives' tales.
0: Probably I would have done this anyway, because I'm a dumbass.
1: Pretty much. Uh, To be fair, for youth is stubborn. Young people are dumbasses, is what he said. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Not just him. (laughs) So before the sun was high, I had started off through the trees at a swinging stride, lunch in my hand, guardian automatic in my pocket, and belt filled with crisp bills of large denominations.
0: (laughs) They all warned me not to get caught out after dark, so I set out just before lunchtime with a picnic, a gun, and a thick-ass wad of cash. (laughs) From the distances given me and a knowledge of my
1: own speed, I had figured on making Glendale a little after sunset. Oops. But I knew that even if detained overnight through some miscalculation, I had plenty of camping experience to fall back on. Didn't he already say his... Woodcraft wasn't great? Oh, he just said I knew less woodcraft. (laughs) Besides, my presence at my destination was not really necessary till the following noon. It was the weather that set my plans awry. As the sun rose higher, it scorched through even the thickest of the foliage and burned up my energy at every step. By noon, my clothes were soaking with perspiration, and I felt myself faltering in spite of all my resolution. As I pushed deeper into the woods, I found the trail greatly obstructed with underbrush, and at many points nearly effaced. It must have been weeks, perhaps months, since anyone had broken his way through, and I began to wonder if I could, after all, live up to my schedule. At length, having grown very hungry, I looked for the deepest patch of shade I could find and proceeded to eat the lunch which the hotel had prepared for me. Hmm, picnic. Yeah. There were some indifferent sandwiches. (laughs) Eh, you can eat us, you cannot, whatever. A piece of stale pie. Yum. And a bottle of very light wine. <laughs> By no means sumptuous fare, but welcome enough to one in my state of overheated exhaustion. So, he's, like, exhausted and overheated and hungry, so he's gonna, like... probably so to drink a bottle of wine.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was too hot for smoking to be of any solace. So I did not take out my pipe. Instead, I stretched myself at full length under the tree when my meal was done, intent on stealing a few moments rest before commencing the last lap of my journey.
0: Great. So this is a story about addiction. Yeah. (laughs) And bad decision making. I also
1: like he he stopped for lunch he was, he was planning on getting there right before sunset. He stopped for lunch and took a break before the last leg of his journey. Like, it doesn't sound like he's actually gone that far in the first place.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think the moral of the story is this guy did it to himself. Yeah. He's making bad life choices.
1: Oh, here we go. I suppose I was a fool to drink that wine. For <laughs> light though it was... It proved just enough to finish the work of, er, work the sultry, oppressive day had begun. (laughs) Yup. My plan called for the merest momentary relaxation, yet, with scarcely a warning yawn, I dropped off into sound slumber. Duh. Part two. (sighs) Oh, I I forgot the first, that whole thing started with the number one, so that was part one. Okay. two. When I opened my eyes, twilight was closing in about me. A wind fanned my cheeks, restoring me quickly to full perception. And as I glanced up at the sky, I saw with apprehension that black racing clouds were leading on a solid wall of darkness, prophetic of violent thunderstorm.
0: Well, at least you're not going to be sweating anymore.
1: Yeah, there you go. Silver lining. I knew now that I could not reach Glendale before morning. Or before... For, or before for, nightfall. Or for night- <laughs> <laughs> but the prospect of a night in the woods, my first night of lone forest camping became very repugnant under these trying conditions.
0: Well, especially since you just slept. Yeah. It's not going to be camping. You got to walk through the woods. Right. In a moment, I decided to push along
1: for a while at least in the hope of finding some shelter before the tempest should break.
0: You're gonna need a really good investigation role to get decent shelter right. this late at night. Especially if you're still a little drunk or hung over from your wine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's probably not there's probably not a
0: hotel. No. Or a truck stop. I'm guessing. Uh if there were, I'm guessing the the villagers would have just said, you go know, go to the truck stop. Go to the truck stop.
1: <laughs> Darkness spread over the woods like a heavy blanket. The lowering clouds grew more threatening and the wind increased to a veritable gale. A flash of distant lightning illuminated the sky, followed by an ominous rumble that seemed to hint of Malign Pursuit. Malign Pursuit is going to be
0: the name of my next band. I, I like it. Yeah, that's a good I like band. it. Uh, what's, what's the first single? Ominous Rumble. what's the genre malign pursuit um i feel like it's either some sort of goth rock or like edm uh goth edm some some
1: yeah (laughs) acoustic goth edm
0: (laughs) don't think about it too hard (laughs) um for the record you now have one month To record an acoustic electronic dance music album. Goth electronic dance music. Goth. Acoustic goth electronic dance music. Sorry, not an album. I want one song out of you in the genre. Acoustic goth electronic dance music. I I like the idea. I think it'd be great. All right. I'll work on it. Great. It'll.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll play it here. Yeah. You can throw it up on the Patreon. Alright, then I felt a drop of rain on my outstretched hand, and though still walking on automatically, resigned myself to the inevitable. Another moment, and I had seen the light. The light of a window through the trees and the darkness. Eager for shelter, I hastened toward it. Would to God I had turned and fled. Bum-bum-bum. I don't know if that's a successful investigation check or a failed investigation check given the last sentence.
0: Well, successful investigation, because you found something. Um, Now, what happens next, that's that's less about a role and more about just general decision-making. Yeah, I think this is going to go
1: well for the ghost eater. I'm going to say he's the ghost eater. You think he's the ghost eater? The narrator? No, but I'm going to say it anyways.
0: Okay. I think you already did. You don't have to announce it. You can just say it.
1: (laughs) All right. He's the ghost eater. He's the ghost eater. There was a sort of imperfect clearing, on the farther side of which, with its back against the primeval wood, stood a building. I had expected a shanty or log cabin, but stopped short in surprise when I beheld a neat and tasteful little house of two stories— some 70 years old by its architecture, yet still in a state of repair, betokening the closest and most civilized attention. Betokening. I like that. I like that. I don't think I've ever heard that. Like. No, but you know what it means I know immediately. It, yeah. That's, that's cool. I like that.
0: I like when writers make up
1: words that make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Through the small panes of one of the lower windows, a bright light shone, and toward this, spurred by the impact of another raindrop, I presently hurried across the clearing. Dude afraid of rain?
0: Sounds <laughs> um, like you
1: got much bigger problems out there. He's one of those aliens from, uh, science. Ah. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> uh, throw a spoiler. I'll
0: have to put up a spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, I presently hurried across the clearing, rapping loudly on the doors as soon as I gained the steps. With startling promptness, my knock was answered by a deep, pleasant voice, which uttered er, uttered the single syllable. Come. Pushing open the unlocked door, I entered a shadowy hall lighted by an open doorway at the right, beyond which was a book-lined room with, gle- with a gleaming window. As I closed the outer door behind me, I could not help noticing a peculiar odor about the house, a faint, elusive, scarcely definable odor which somehow suggested animals. My host, I surmised, must be a hunter or trapper, with his business conducted on the premises. The man who had spoken sat in a capacious easy chair beside a marble-topped center table, a long lounging robe of gray swathing his lean form. My god. He didn't leave his chair. He just like beckoned him inside,
0: and you walk in and see this dude just sitting on a comfy chair. It's it's a, it's a it's a great look. Uh, I'm thinking um this is a person who lives for the dramatic reveal. Right? It's like someone who spends all their time in their office in a swivel chair just, just so when you walk in they can turn it around at the right moment. Yep. Classic. I like him. <laughs> this guy, I think we'd be friends. Yeah, I
1: think I think he's the protagonist here. Yeah. The light from a powerful argand argand, that one I don't know. I'm guessing it's a type of gas cuz it's argand lamp. A-R-G-A-N-D.
0: The Argand lamp is a type of oil lamp invented in 1780 by AIM Argand. Its output is 6 to 10 candelas brighter than that of earlier lamps. Its more complete combustion of the candle wick and oil than in other lamps required much less frequent trimming of the wick. Hmm. I think my brain uh combined it like
1: just reached out and went argand argon argon is a gas <laughs> it's
0: probably the fuel Nope, argand uh <sighs> the guy's last name the guy's last name cool françois pierre amade argand perfect he's french so it might be argand not argand argand perfect the light from a powerful argand lamp
1: "'threw his features into prominence, "'and as he, hi- as he eyed me curiously, "'I studied him in no less detail. "'He was strikingly handsome, "'with thin, clean-shaven face, "'glossy, flaxen hair neatly brushed, "'long, regular eyebrows "'that met in a slanting angle above the nose, "'shapely ears set low and well back on the head, "'and large, expressive grey eyes almost luminous in their animation.
0: This dude's an anime character. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> this is where anime started.
0: I'm just like, yo yeah, Absolutely. read that description again. Yeah. This dude's an anime character.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Um when he smiled a welcome, he showed a magnificently even set of firm white teeth. And as he waved me to a chair, I was struck by the fineness of his slender hands with their long, tapering fingers, <laughs> whose, whose ruddy, almond-shaped nails were slightly curved and exquisitely manicured. I could not help wondering why a man of such engaging personality should choose the life of a recluse.
0: This isn't just an anime character. This is an anime vampire.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is, um, yeah. Yep. (laughs) Sorry to intrude, I ventured, but I've given up the hope of making Glendale before morning, and there's a storm coming on which sent me looking for cover.
0: Yes, I like it when they give up hope.
1: (laughs) As if to to corroborate my words, there came at this point a vivid flash a crashing reverberation, and the first breaking of a torrential downpour that beat maniacally against the windows. My host seemed oblivious to the elements, and flashed me another smile when he answered. His voice was soothing and well-modulated, and his eyes held a calmness almost hypnotic. You're welcome to whatever hospitality I can offer, but I'm afraid it won't be much, I've a game leg, so you'll have to do most of the waiting on yourself. If you're hungry, you'll find plenty in the kitchen. Plenty of food, if not of ceremony. It seemed to me that I could detect the slightest trace of a foreign accent in his tone, though his language was fluently correct and idiomatic. Rising to an impressive height... He headed for the door with long, limping steps, and I noticed the huge, hairy arms that <laughs> that hung at his side in such curious contrast to his delicate hands. No longer an anime character. No longer an
0: anime character. <laughs> well, anime werewolf. Yeah. He's anime wolverine.
1: <laughs> Come, he suggested, bring the lamp along with you. I might as well sit in the kitchen as here. I followed him into the hall and the room across it, and at his direction ransacked the woodpile in the corner and the cupboard on the wall. A few moments later, when the fire was going nicely, I asked him if I might not prepare food for both, but he courteously declined. It's too hot to eat, he told me. Besides, I had a bite before you came. (laughs)
0: I added that last part. Totally improvised. (laughs) That was good. That was good. I liked it. Uh, Dear listeners, because this is an audio medium, you couldn't see the sinister um, lip licking that accompanied that slurping sound. After washing the dishes left from my lone
1: meal, I sat down for a while, smoking my pipe contentedly. My host asked a few questions about the neighboring villages, but I lapsed into sullen taciturnity when he learned I was an outsider. As he brooded there silently, I could not help feeling a quality of strangeness in him, some subtle alienage that could hardly be analyzed. I was quite certain, for one thing, that he was tolerating me because of the storm, rather than welcoming me with genuine hospitality. Okay. I mean... I feel like in in like modern society, it seems weird to be weirded out by the fact that this stranger whose house you walked into isn't like super excited
0: to have you there yeah I, but I, but like I feel like even like even then, a stranger walks into your house in the middle of the night right you, you like, yeah, you're more likely to be nice to them if it's like, okay, I get it, it's shitty weather out there than if it's like. Clear skies, nice night, go for a walk. Uh, dude, what are you doing here? Right. As for the storm, it seemed
1: almost to have spent itself. Outside, it was already growing lighter, for there was a full moon behind the clouds, and the rain had dwindled to a trivial drizzle. Perhaps, I thought, I could now resume my journey after all, an idea which I suggested to my host. Better wait till morning, he remarked. You say you're afoot, and it's a good three hours to Glendale. I've two bedrooms upstairs. Upstairs. Hey, buddy, where are you <laughs> from? That was, that was the hint of a foreign accent. <laughs> He's southern. Um, I've two bedrooms. <clears throat> I've two bedrooms upstairs, and you're welcome to one of them if you care to stay. There was a sincerity in his invitation which dispelled any doubts I had held regarding his hospitality, and I now concluded that his silences must be the result of long isolation from his fellows in this wilderness. After sitting without a word through three fillings of my pipe, I finally began to yawn. It's a lot of smoking. It is. Uh, It's been rather a strenuous day for me, I admitted and I guess I'd be making tracks for bed. I want to be up at sunrise, you know, and on my way. My host waved his arm toward the door, through which I could see the hall and the staircase. Take the lamp with you, he instructed. It's the only one I have, but I don't mind sitting in the dark, really. Half the time I don't light it at all when I'm alone. Oil is so hard to get out here, and I go to the village so seldom. Your room is the one on the right, at the head of the stairs. Taking the lamp and turning in the hall to say good night, I could see his eyes glowing almost phosphorescently in the darkened room I had left. And I was half reminded for a moment of the jungle, and the circles of eyes that sometimes glow just beyond the radius of the campfire. Then I started upstairs. Sweet dreams. <laughs> As I reached the second floor, I could hear my host limping across the hall to the other room below, and perceived that he moved the- with owlish sureness despite the darkness. Owlish sureness. That's, that's a good tongue twister.
0: Owlish sureness. Owlish. Yeah also the title of your second single.
1: And yeah, there it is. Truly he had but little need for the lamp. The storm was over, and as I entered the room assigned me, I found it bright with the rays of of a full moon that streamed on the bed from an uncurtained south window. Blowing out the lamp and leaving the house in darkness, but for the moonbeams, I sniffed at the pungent odor that rose above the scent of the kerosene the quasi-animal odor I had noticed on first encountering the place. I I crossed to the window and threw it wide, breathing deep of the cool, fresh night air. When I started to undress, I paused almost instantly, recalling my money belt still in its place about my waist. Possibly, I reflected, it would be well not to be too hasty or unguarded. For I had read of men who seized just such an opportunity to rob and even to murder the stranger within their dwelling. So, arranging the bedclothes to look as if they covered a sleeping figure, I drew the room's only chair into into the concealing shadows, filled and lighted my pipe again, and sat down to rest or watch, as the occasion might demand. (laughs) So he's pulling the, um... The, the, the Hobbit's trip yeah. from yep. Fellowship. I'm, I'm going to say I would not stay somewhere willingly if I felt like I needed to make it look like someone was sleeping in my bed in case they stabbed me. I would just opt out. I would just
0: leave. Just escape out the window. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I can, I can just walk. You know, I think I'm good. Yeah. Part three. I'm not going to sleep great tonight anyway. I right. may as well not sleep great on my feet. Part 3. I could not have been sitting there long
1: when my sensitive ears caught the sound of footsteps ascending the stairs. Mm hmm All the old lore of robber landlords rushed on me afresh. When another moment revealed that the steps were plain, loud, and careless, with no attempt at concealment. While my host's tread, as I had heard it from the head of the staircase, was a soft limping stride. Shaking the ashes from my pipe... I slipped it in my pocket. Then, seizing and drawing my automatic, I rose from the chair, tiptoed across the room, and crouched tensely in a spot which the opening door would cover, drawing my automatic. Does he have, like, an Uzi? Like, does...
0: I don't think it's... I, I think it's, like, a, a, a... Or just doesn't have to be cocked. Yeah, like okay. I, like, I think automatic... I think it's actually a semi-automatic. Just, like, imagining him, like, whipping out a machine gun, like a Tommy gun. Yeah. (laughs) Pulls out an AK 47 that he's just been like, it's just been hanging under his jacket. Right. The door opened and into the shaft of moonlight stepped a man
1: I had never seen before. Tall, broad shouldered and distinguished his face, half hidden by a heavy square cut beard and his neck buried in a high black stock of a pattern long obsolete in America. (laughs) He was indubitably a foreigner. How he could have entered the house without my knowledge was quite beyond me. Nor could I believe for an instant that he had been concealed in either of the two rooms or the hall below me. As I gazed intently at him in the insidious moonbeams, it seemed to me that I could see directly through his sturdy form, but perhaps this was only an illusion that came from my shock of surprise noticing the disarray of the bed but evidently missing the intended effect of occupancy the stranger muttered something to himself in a foreign tongue and proceeded to disrobe <laughs> um what F- flinging his clothes into the chair that uh, into the chair i had vacated he crept into the bed <laughs> He crept into bed, pulled the covers over him, and in a moment or two was breathing with the regular respiration of a sound sleeper. All right. That's weird. <laughs> my first thought was to seek out my host and demand an explanation. But a second later, I deemed it better to make sure that the whole incident was not a mere delusive aftereffect of my wine drugged sleep in the woods. <laughs> I still felt weak and faint, and despite my recent supper, was as hungry as if I had not eaten since that noonday lunch. I crossed to the bed, reached out, and grasped at the shoulder of the sleeping man. Then, barely checking a cry of mad fright and dizzy astonishment, I fell back with pounding pulse and dilated eyes, for my clutching fingers had passed directly through the sleeping form and seized only the sheet below. Ooh. A complete analysis of my ju- of my jarred and jumbled sensations would be futile. The man was intangible, yet I could see him there, hear his regular breathing, and watch his figure as it half turned beneath the clothes and Then, as I was quite quite certain of my own madness or hypnosis, I heard other footsteps on the stairs. Soft, padded, dog-like, limping footsteps pattering up, up, up. And again, that pungent animal smell, this time in redoubled volume. Dazed and dream-drowsed, I crept once more behind the protecting open door, shaken to the marrow, but now resigned to any fate known or nameless. Then, into that shaft of eerie moonlight, stepped the gaunt form of a great gray wolf. Werewolf! Limped, I should have said, for one hind foot was held in the air as though wounded by some stray shot. The beast turned its head in my direction, and as it did so, the pistol dropped from my twitching fingers and clattered unheeded to the floor. Oops. The ascending succession of horrors was fast paralyzed was fast paralyzing my will and consciousness, for the eyes that now glared toward me from that hellish head were the gray phosphorescent eyes of my host, as they had peered at me through the darkness of the kitchen. I do not yet know whether it saw me. The eyes turned from my direction to the bed and gazed gluttonously on the spectral sleeping form there. Then the head tilted back, and from that demon throat came the most shocking yulation,
0: yulation, 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 yulation. That is how you pronounce it. Yululation, yululation. From Latin yululo, is a long, wavering, high-pitched vocal sound resembling a howl with a trilling quality. All right. Yeah. So it howled. Uh, and from the demon throat
1: came the most shocking. Yul- 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 that word. yululation yul- yul- <laughs> Came the most shocking howl I have ever heard. <laughs> A thick, nauseous, lupine howl that made my heart stand still. The form on the bed stirred, opened his eyes, and shrank from what he saw. The animal crouched, quivering, and then as the ethereal figure uttered a shriek of mortal human anguish and terror that no ghost of legend could counterfeit, sprang straight for its victim's throat, its white, firm, even teeth flashing in the moonlight as they closed on the jugular vein of the screaming phantasm. The scream ended in a blood-choked gurgle, and the frightened human eyes turned glassy. That scream had roused me to action, and in a second I had retrieved my automatic and emptied its entire contents into the wolfish monstrosity before me. But I heard the unhindered thud of each bullet as it embedded itself in the opposite wall. Huh. My nerves gave way. Blind fear hurled me toward the door, and blind fear prompted the one backward glance in which I saw that the wolf had sunk its teeth into the body of its quarry. Then came that culminating sensory impression and the devastating thought to which it gave birth. This was the same body I had thrust my hand through a few moments before, and yet as I plunged down that back nightmare staircase, I could hear the crunching of bones.
0: Hmm. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and this is just a wild speculation, right. and say that the wolf is the ghost eater. Mm, I'm not convinced, but I see why you would think that. Okay.
1: <laughs> Part four. How I found the trail to Glendale, or how I managed to traverse it, I suppose I shall never know. I only know that sunrise found me on the hill at the edge of the woods with the steepled village outspread below me and the blue thread of the cataqua sparkling in the distance. River. river. Hatless, coatless, ashen-faced, and as soaked with perspiration as if I had spent the night abroad in the storm, I hesitated to enter the village till I had recovered at least some outward semblance of composure. At last, I picked my way down the hill and through the narrow streets with their flagstone sidewalks and colonial doorways till I reached the Lafayette house, whose proprietor eyed me askance. Where from so early, son? And why the wild look? I've just come through the woods from Mayfair. You came through the devil's woods? Last night and alone? I. You would think one of the villagers would have mentioned the Devil's Woods. Yeah,
0: that, that seems like an important detail. Uh, Like, maybe... <laughs> oh, no, don't go through the Devil's Woods alone. I, did that not come up at any point?
1: Or at least some very clear warning about, like, the Devil... You don't want to spend the night in the Devil's Woods. Like saying, try and get through before nightfall? Eh, No, like...
0: Well, also, like, why wouldn't someone just say, like, oh no, it's called the Devil's Woods, and it's because there's a fucking ghost (laughs) wolf that lives there?
1: (sighs) Uh, Alone, the old man stared with a queer look of alternate horror and incredulity. Why not? I countered. I couldn't have made it in time through it, and I had to be here no later than this noon. And last night was a full was full moon. My God he eyed me curiously. See anything of Vasily Okranikov or the Count? I'm sure I butchered
0: the Vasily U- Okranikov, Vasily. Uh, some Russian guy. Yeah. Probably the foreigner. Or the Count.
1: Ah, ah, ah. Right. Say, do I look that simple? What are you trying to do, jolly me?
0: Don't jolly
1: me. (laughs) But his tone was as grave as a priest's as he replied, You must be new to these parts, Sonny. If you weren't, you'd know all about Devil's Woods and the Full Moon and Vasily and the rest. Vasily and the rest. I felt anything but flippant, yet knew I must not seem serious after my earlier remarks. Go on. I know you're dying to tell me. I'm like a donkey, all ears.
0: And <laughs> Can you look up the etymology of, of that saying? That right there... ...is the reason for this entire story. He wrote this entire story just to, to shoehorn in that joke. Hang Wait, on. What
1: does that even mean?
0: I'm like a donkey. I'm all ears because donkeys have big ears. I'm okay. like a donkey. I'm all ears. I'm like an elephant would have been better. but Right. Uh, so the first thing that pops up when you just punch in I'm like a donkey <laughs> is I'm hung like a donkey.
1: Yeah, yeah, not that one.
0: <laughs> Apparently, donkey in Shrek says "I'm all ears" at one point. Yeah, no, I'm seeing okay. nothing about it's not, this. It's not like a. Nope. Keep, all right, great. Hung like a donkey. That's the closest I get. That's pretty sure that's not the joke <laughs> he's making. <laughs> all right. I'm hung like a donkey. All ears. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what
1: then he told the legend in his dry way, stripping it of vitality and convincingness through lack of colouring, detail, and atmosphere. But for me, it needed no vitality or convincingness that any poet could have given. Remember what I had witnessed, and remember that I had never heard of the tale until after I had the experience and fled from the terror of those crunched phantom bones there used to be quite a few russians scattered i forgot what i was i like kind of did a voice with him earlier but i don't remember what it was that's was cool there used to be quite a few russians scattered betwixt here and mayfair they came after one of their nihilist troubles back in russia vasily ukranikov was one of them a tall, thin, handsome chap with shiny yellow hair and a wonderful manner. They said, though, that he was a servant of the devil, a werewolf and eater of men. He built him a house in the woods about a third of the way from here to Mayfair and lived all alone. Every once in a while, a traveler would come out of the woods with some pretty strange tale about being chased by a big wolf with shining human eyes, like a Kronikov's. One night, somebody took a pot shot at the, where, at the wolf. And the next time the Russian came into Glendale, he walked with a limp. That settled it. There wasn't any mere suspicion now, but hard facts.
0: Well, no, or, or those aren't hard facts. <laughs> that, 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 that is, uh, in fact, suspicion and speculation. But, I mean... Enough to convince me.
1: Right. Then he's... Well, yeah, but you also heard the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then he sent to Mayfair for the count. His name was Fyodor Chernevsky. Works for me. And he had bought the old gambrel-roofed Fowler place up State Street to come out and see him. They all warned the count, for he was a fine man and a splendid neighbor, "'But he said he could take care of himself all right. "'It was the night of the full moon. "'He was brave as they make him, "'and all he did was tell some men he had around the place "'to follow him to Vasilis. "'Vasilis... "'I keep fucking up that name. "'If he didn't show up in decent time. "'They did. "'And you tell me, Sonny, "'that you've been through those woods at night?' "'Sure, I tell you.' "'I tried to appear nonchalant. <laughs> "'I'm no count.' And here I am to tell the tale. But what did the men find at Ukranikov's house? They found the count's mangled body, Sonny, and a gaunt gray wolf hovering over it with blood slavering jaws. You can guess who the wolf was, and folks do say that at every full moon. But, Sonny, didn't you see or hear anything? Not a thing, Pop! <laughs> And say, what became of the wolf? Or... (laughs) Or Vasily Kronikov. Why, son, they killed it. Filled it full of lead and buried it in the house. And then burned the place down. You you know, all this was 60 years ago, when I was a little shaver. A little shaver?
0: A little shaver. Like he was just learning how to shave. It was a little shaver. (laughs) I assume.
1: But I remember it as if it was yesterday. I turned away with a shrug of my shoulders. It was all so quaint and silly and artificial in the full light of day. But sometimes, when I am alone after dark in waste places and hear the demon echoes of those screams and snarls and that detestable crunching of bones, I shudder again at the memory of that eldritch night. The end nice i i enjoy like how in a lot of the in like a lot of these old horror stories the the protagonist is really basically just an observer to like some really messed up stuff yeah like like nothing actually directly bad happens to them they just see something really insane
0: well and i think that's sort of the 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 point of the um the psychological horror yeah. is that it's not about Um, and then I was chased down the stairs and it grabbed my foot and I fell and broke my arm and I had to make my way across the rope bridge. And it's, it's just about like, dude, there's some weird shit out there. Right.
1: I, one time, one time I saw this really messed up thing and it has stayed with me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, good one. Weird. It is interesting though, that like in retrospect, you're, you're looking at it and going, well, all you witnessed was. You basically written, witnessed the reruns. Yeah, there, there was like you were fine, dude. You're this, this was, this was, um, murder in syndication. Right. Like what?
1: You saw the instant replay.
0: Yeah. Not even that instant. It happened sixty years ago. That's mm, true. Like they're probably bored of replaying the same scene over and over again. That's got to be the worst thing about being this kind of ghost. That like you don't even get to spook people with new things. Right. You just you're you're doing the same scene over and over again. Playing the same character, doing yeah. the it's like how Kelsey Grammer must have felt by the end of Frasier. Right.
1: Yeah. Favorite moment from Frasier? Uh in like one of the very last seasons, uh someone one of the one of the characters from Cheers guest stars and um at some point, fraser I, I don't remember the lead up to it, but at some point, Frasier says to that character, do you have any idea what it's like to play the same character day after day for, for 20 years
0: I see. or something like that? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> in I, I, I know the episode you're talking about and I feel like it's it. it's it's um, because like there's they're talking about a children's entertainer who's been doing like the same show, the same character in a right. show yeah. for yeah, yeah. Not Fraser doesn't say that. Someone says it to Fraser. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, but they're talking about there's yeah a children's entertainer or yeah. someone in that episode. Yeah, I do remember. I don't remember the details, but yes, yeah, I remember that one.
1: But yeah, yeah. You pro- they probably know their lines really well though.
0: They probably know their lines really well. I imagine sometimes the screaming in horror gets a little stale. Right. Um, and the guy, the, the count, was clearly thrown off by, like, someone's been sleeping in my bed.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so changes can be made to, like.
0: Changes can be made, but, like, you always know how it's going to end. Yeah. You know, the wolf's going to come in and eat me, and that sucks. What if you
1: took the bed away, though? If you just like,
0: if I walked in and and
1: just like threw the bed out the window and he walked in and and there was no bed.
0: Maybe he'd just curl up on the ground. (laughs) I don't know. How do you improvise with that? Like. Or maybe because he's a ghost, he could just lay down where the bed was and he'd float (laughs) in the air and he'd like to him, it would make no difference. He just he'd play the scene out the way he always does, right. regardless of what changes you make.
1: Oh, that's sad. I'm going to go ahead and admit defeat. I think the wolf was probably the ghost eater.
0: I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm that I've thinking. read the whole
1: story, it seems
0: likely. It seems unlikely that that the title character was the ghost eater because he all he ate was indifferent sandwiches and stale pie. To be fair, the, the title character was definitely the ghost eater. The protagonist wasn't the the narrator. Sorry, (laughs) Uh, English is hard. Although, no, it could be the narrator because he ate food, but he was still hungry afterwards. (laughs) Right? He like he came he came to the house and the werewolf guy said, "Here, eat some food." And he was like, "But I went to bed and it felt like I hadn't eaten anything." He ate ghost food. He ate ghost food. Is the ghost eater? I think they're both ghost eaters. All right. Perfect. Cool. So we're both right. So we're both right. That feels good. Uh, cool. What do you think, listener? Who do you think was the ghost eater? What, uh, what qualifies as a ghost eater? Do you have to be a ghost eating in order to be the ghost eater, or do you just have to eat something ghostly? And if that is the case, aren't we all ghost eaters? I, I don't really know what that means. I, I really don't know what that means. Um, anyway, let us know what you think about this episode, about this story, uh, and about anything else you want to share with us. You can message us at any of the social media sites. Just look for Campfire Classics Podcast or shoot an email to 5050ArtsProduction at gmail.com. 5050 Arts Production is our sort of parent producing company. And um, I'd say they take care of us, but really it's the. It, it's the same us. It's the same them. It's all one group of people. Uh, but shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. And uh, when you send that email somewhere in the subject line or body of the email, send us this week's secret passcode, which is indifferent sandwich.
1: That's the first single.
0: That's the first single <laughs> indifferent sandwich. <laughs> uh, anything else? Um. Uh, if you listened last week, you you know that uh, we are coming close to the time when Heather will be returning. Uh, Craig is going to sit in hopefully at least one or two more times between now and then to read some stories because yeah. uh, well, I'm here in North Carolina and it's always more fun for me when I get to record with a person actually in the room. Uh, and then Heather will be back. Please help us reach 10,000 listens by then. Uh, we've, we've got that mile marker coming up. Uh, we just need like another hundred downloads. Um, so I think we can do that in three weeks. No problem. And, um, oh, uh, here's a thing I've been thinking about doing. So go ahead and include this when you message us too, if you're still listening this deep in, which no one ever does, but whatever. Uh, I I think I want to do a Campfire Classics book club. And the way this is the way this is going to work is we will whatever book we pick, uh, we'll make sure there is both a PDF available for you to read and uh, either Heather or I will go ahead or maybe both of us swapping chapters or something. We'll go ahead and record an audiobook version of a book, a longer form book. And then at some point down the road. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and just have a discussion. You can uh, email us your thoughts on the book or questions you have or whatever. Maybe we'll try to have a guest or two on and we'll just have a little book club episode because, I don't know, I think that sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, so if you agree also in your messages or email or whatever, uh, go ahead and send any recommendations you might have, ideas for books that you'd like to uh, hear us discuss or discuss with us. Uh, that's all for me. Craig, anything to say before we sign off? Uh, go
1: watch Top Gun.
0: And on that note, this has been Campfire Classics where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.